You're listening to Shit Adults Never Taught Us, the podcast where we talk shit in a good way. Well, hello, we are back for another episode. Today, I have Kristen Yawada on, and she is an editor, business owner, but came about things in sort of an unexpected way to her. She ended up in advertising and didn't expect to end up here and now owns a business within this realm of things. So we explore all sorts of things, but first we dive into imposter syndrome pretty much immediately. And we talk about how we learned to speak up a little too late and the questions of what that may have cost us along the way. So without further ado, here's Kristen. Kristen, self-made woman over here, business owner. We're going to go all the way back to the beginning. Let's start with the birth of Kristen. No, let's start with, (laughs) you didn't really want to be in this industry. How did this happen? Ooh, interesting. Yeah, I think, whoa. (laughs) I always wanted to be in editing, but you know, I, I definitely, in, in my, when I was thinking about it in college and like what I wanted to do, I always, like my, my go-to answer was like, I don't want to do advertising, like anything but advertising. You know, like everyone or coming out of college, especially a place like Santa Cruz or whatever, is like, I want to do docs, like change the world shit, you know. Yes. This definitely comes from a different end and uh, I've had a an interesting relationship with it and trying to navigate times where it feels like, uh, you know, being a person of color, it's, it's a lot of the work that I get revolves around those kinds of stories. Yeah. Hold on. Let's talk about that. So, so give the little cliff notes version here that I worked together for like two, three ish years, something in there. And in that time, you rose, you were assistant editor to junior editor to full-time editor. You edited a large array of projects, but for the most part, I would say it fell within the realm of broadcast commercials. And when you rose the ranks and started getting clients of your own, consistently those clients were also people of color looking for a person of color. And while that's incredible and amazing, and you want a lot of that, you also want to make sure you're getting the jobs because you're the best person for the job and you want to be considered for all the jobs, not just the niche. I think, you know, it's, it's interesting too. And and this isn't the case across the board, you know, but it's sometimes budgets are a little challenged in these spaces as well, you know, which Mm -hmm. a lot of these people are my friends and colleagues. So it's a, it's a matter of just wanting to do that work as well, but it is been interesting to, I've, you know, had a hard time in my career separating it and not taking things personally and stuff. And and some of those moments, you know, where you do get passed over for a job because it it's hard not to take those things personally. Um, and, and a lot of the work you are getting all have to do with minorities or, uh, yeah, again, uh, inclusivity or stuff like that. I think yeah. in general, there's this other side to it of, there's a big push in advertising and and media to be more than a brand, you know, and really, really like show, show your morals. And it's been a huge, huge push for that stuff. And 
sometimes it can feel a little fake, you know? So I think it's been a weird thing for me to navigate being a part of that space too. And, and, and specifically something that has really changed in the last year for me of, is this idea of like, I'm the perfect person to tell that story, I guess, of someone that, that does have this weird imposter syndrome and has this weird need to, you know, like, uh, have my work seen as my work, you know, and not like as, as it just feels, yeah, it feels like, I don't know, maybe it's necessary that you want it to stand on its own. You don't want it to yes. be qualified with, well, this was a low budget. Right. D. Like we all have the same qualms when it comes to that. I think yeah. where we want all work on the big budget stuff. Like you said, when you got out of college, nobody's mind is like, I can't wait to work on a thing that people skip on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody yeah. thinks that. And yet we all ended up here. So I think he just, there are, you settle along the way, right. but as you settle, you start to find things that do drive you, that do bring you energy and passion. And if it is telling those stories, you want it to be genuine. You want it to be real and not a brand trying to cop out of, you know, a hashtag. A hundred percent. And I, you know, it is hard in advertising. That's one of the hardest things I find about advertising is, is, you know, brand always has kind of the final word. And a lot of the things we're doing when they're starting out feel really fun and, and, and true to who these, a lot of the stuff I do is really docu-style and, and capturing, uh, you know, just humans and, and then, you know, making a story out of that. So it, 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 it always starts in a really, really wonderful place. And I, I love that part of it. And I've in watching the dailies, I fall in love with these people. And, and, you know, I'm really, and that's almost been the hardest part to navigate is then it gets kind of synthesized into what, what works best for, you know, brands, which again, it's, it's part of the job, you know, but it, it is, uh, it's, it's, that's one thing that I've been finding and, 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 Feel more confidence in than when we work together of standing up for some of those things of like I just this feels truer to their tone of like who who they are you know like yeah important about their story so I I was that's kind of the the <laughs> shady ass way of that I've been framing it these days you know well and also the concept of humanity and brands going together is like mm very difficult and it's something that nobody realizes the nuance of navigating unless they're actually in it it's so freaking hard yeah and okay so there's a million things we could talk about with this but i want to broaden it to all industries because okay. we are not the only ones that deal with this shit. totally 100%. Like, i actually think we're one of the easier ones that deal with the shit because media is visible to everybody so it's always in everybody's face and we're scrutinized in a way that other industries aren't but if you work at a bank, if you work in construction, if you work in industries that people are not really looking at so much, then I think the way of navigating these moments can be, uh, I don't have better words than a clusterfuck of emotions right. because you're constantly like, well, I don't want to piss off this company and I don't want to piss off my coworkers, but this doesn't feel right. And as you, you started at this particular company, you and I worked at, you started as reception and you worked your way up. I assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, but as you worked your way up, the confidence and the footing to speak up for yourself got, went with the raise. 
Yeah, I think it's, I mean, that's been a personal journey as well. You know, I think yeah. it's, it's been, you know, just to, like you said, go all the way back. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was raised in like Huntington Beach, which was predominantly pretty white. And, you know, as of in the last couple of years has been known to be like a, anti-mask battleground and like you know it's it's <laughs> an interesting place to grow up you know it's a pocket of california that i think is actually representative of larger areas in the u.s definitely 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 yeah. but it, it it has been just you know over the past year and i think with the pandemic everyone has really looked inward in that way and, and that's been one of the things that's really come up for me is just how much that obviously has has affected my need to mask you know and and yeah and uh not be able to to use that voice or you know especially being an asian woman people always kind of expected me to be quiet and uh you know had that stereotype for me and i just kind of lived into it for a long time just to like not rock the boat and not be othered and not out myself is so different you know yeah, I think there's something there's something in that that's like what's expected of us versus how we even exceed that. Because yeah, there's an expectation, especially for women, that if you're starting out, you got to be better than all the guys around you. And then beyond that, if you're starting out and you're expected to be quiet, do you fit in with that? Or do you speak out and risk that because it could pay off? It could blow up in your face. It's insane the amount of expectations that we're trying to navigate and then when we start out it changes every step of the way we go because at first it was like you're expected to be quiet yeah. and then I was quiet and then <laughs> the higher you go if you keep that mentality yep. and you get promoted people are like why aren't you speaking up what is your opinion on this what are you doing or you don't get promoted because people think oh you know she's too quiet she never talks up I don't think she has an opinion on this I don't think she right? can take charge or and, and when you're in an assistant role, you were in an assistant role for a few years, you kind of take the identity of the people you're assisting. Oh, definitely. And that can be, then you're like, well, I got to bust out on my own. What, yeah. what is my own? What does that look like? And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're just finding the creative voice as well as just, again, and it's been a huge part of my career as well to f figure out, you know, that like, especially as, as, an artist and like a third leg of this journey that they've been on through pre-production and production. And now to post, it's like, they're, they're kind of looking for some answers and, you know, being as authentic as you possibly can be and, and being yourself. And, and yeah, like you said, really in the end of your career, you got to start saying your opinion and, and giving your artistic input. And I think it's been such a journey, but it's so rewarding to actually like feel part of the process and not just someone who's executing all of the cuts, you know, which is a yeah. big part of existing, you know, you're just, you're not really seen like that yet. So you're just kind of making the cuts that they want, you know? Um, you're coloring within the lines. I think yeah. that when you're, when you're starting out in any industry, it doesn't matter what industry mm -hmm. you're in, you're, like you said, expected to be quiet, expected to listen, expected to sort of take notes and just be in the background. But you also have to realize that every business in the whole world, they come to you as a company, as a person with questions, looking for answers. Nobody is coming to you with a question being like, God, I hope this girl doesn't know the answer and can't help me at all. Like, <laughs> 
nobody is asking that. Everybody wants you to solve their problem. So if you have the solution to the problem, say it. Don't sit in the background being like, well, somebody else is going to come up with this. I'm pretty sure somebody else in this room is thinking the same thing. Why would I even say it? Like the whole reason everybody is in a business meeting, everybody's on a conference call, everybody's there to begin with is to solve the problem that's at hand. And if you've got that solution, or if you even think maybe you do, just say it. Yeah, it definitely, it's, again, even if it's not the right answer, it just lets people know who you are, you know what I mean? And again, I think that that's what I found, just really being your authentic self is, is what people respect, you know, as you are, are growing in your career. It's definitely a huge part of it is to just, you know, if you have yeah. the answers, don't be afraid to have them. Damn. You know? If you come at things with authenticity, people will meet you there every time. Oh, definitely. And you just recently became a business owner. Well, not actually that recently, like two years ago. It's kind of crazy. You've owned a business, co-owned a business for two years now. How has authenticity gotten its way into that side of your life? Hmm. Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's interesting because everyone has their own authenticities and when you own a business with multiple people, <laughs> right. navigating those partnerships and, and everything. And it's been such an amazing journey, honestly, to learning that it's a relationship and that you're all meeting, you know, in, in the middle to make this work. And then you have to kind of think of that as a, as a, you've got, you've each got your own thing you need and your own agendas, but what is the thing that is good for the business, you know, and thinking of that as its own entity. Right. Oh man. Cause you've got to think of it as the authenticity of you as individual yeah. people. What's important to the individual people in this partnership, what's important to the individual people, the humans behind the business, all the way down to the, the lowest level to the highest level, every single person counts. And then it's also what's important and authentic to the brand and the business. Right. That is a lot. Holy shit, man. It is. It is. <laughs> I think there's not a lot of preparation for that. You know, you, uh, you, you get thrust in and everyone tells you that it, that it is hard and that, you know, you know, you go in. Yeah. What is the <laughs> preparation? Mean, you go in, you, you jump in, you're like, I got this. And then get humbled, you know. <laughs> is the preparation for that just trusting yourself? Just knowing that, like, I trust my gut. And if my gut says do it, do it. And if my gut says don't, don't. Like, what is it? It, is, it goes so much more than that and so much deeper than that because you're navigating it with two other people who have different things happening in their guts, you know? So let's talk, let's talk relationships then. Let's, cause we're, <laughs> cause we're talking about business relationships and I think that's an important, you know, aspect of all life. You're sure. going to, you're going to love and hate your coworkers every day, just like you love and hate your family every day. But you've been in relationships, in romantic relationships and friendships. I assume all of them have taught you something. What do you think your personal relationships have taught you about business relationships? They, they very much interweave. Oh yeah. Cause it's how it's, you're the common denominator in those. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. My evolution in personal relationship is also in the past couple of years come, come a long way. And you want to start there? Maybe we start there and then we go back to business. <laughs> well, cause right. sometimes informing, the past you like have weird epiphanies in the moment you're like oh shit never mind that's exactly how they connect yeah I mean I think it's okay you and I share a common denominator of long-term relationships Mm -hmm. that took up I would say the most of our 20s then we left them 
we were, you know, on the cusp of 30 one way or the other on either side of that. And it's like, great, now I'm single and I got to go figure out who the fuck I am and live my life the way I want to now. And I, I don't want to speak for you, but it, it got bumpy there for a minute for me. <laughs> Did it get bumpy there for you? Yeah, I mean, a little bit. I think it's, I mean, definitely, 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 definitely. And I think I kind of hopped into something pretty quickly after. I mean, it was about six months, but. In the span of a 10-year relationship, six months is, you know, I, I don't judge anybody for what they want to do. If they want, if they feel ready and healed in six months, go for it. But it is in terms of just time very quick. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there was a lot of like shame put on myself for, you know, and, and this, this idea in the past year that I am a romantic has <laughs> come into focus. I've always like <laughs> hidden behind this weird hard exterior, mm-hmm. like the badass or whatever. I don't, that's going to sound so fucking lame. Yeah, and just to realize, like, I had this weird thing in my head of, like, you're, you're not a relationship person. I'm like, I've been in a steady relationship since I was, you know, one of them was nine years since I was 22, and then I got into a year and a half thing. I mean, in terms of bumpiness, if you talk just pure speed bumps of me getting out of a long-term relationship and then fucking up over and over again, trying to figure out what I look like in a relationship that is one rocky ass road like (laughs) that is more speed bumps than a car can handle (laughs) because I was like I if we're using this metaphor I ruined that suspension (laughs) (laughs) like I was it was like trying on outfits I would date a person and I'd be like oh well they're the exact opposite of my ex maybe that's the one and then I would get like two weeks in and I'd be like oh no okay over here and this person's not like either of them okay maybe it's this and then I was like trying on a bunch of different things and when you start to not find it in all these different things two things happened for me one I was like oh did I mess up and maybe I should have been with that person that I used to be with or do you go oh there's nobody out there for me I'm not a relationship person I'm just going to be alone forever and let me just hop around people and date a bunch of people and and that's just going to be my life in talk in since that breakup and talking about it, I found that there is this other flip side to that of, of like this hyper individuality of like I can handle everything on my own. You know, I think there is definitely some truth to like yes, no no one can fulfill that in me except myself. You know, and and learning that is a huge huge part of that journey. But there is has resonated for me that I don't want to close myself off, and I definitely you know want people in my life and and what those relationships are and, and, you know, a community. And, you know, I think there's a huge, huge part of me that doesn't want, was afraid that I was going down that path of wanting to uh, just rely only on myself, you know, and think that that's the answers. But I I definitely, I don't know. I don't know that that's the answer anymore. You know, it's. Well, and if we relate it back to business, you have, you have co-owners of a business and you have, I'm sure at times been like, I want to just do this alone and have all my own opinions. And then you go back and you're like, actually, their idea was really good. Maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's, that's not true. the best idea. But I think everybody struggles with that. I don't know a single person that has decided for the rest of their life that they want to be glued to a person or want to be entirely single. There are going to be moments in your life where like, God, I just wish I was alone. It doesn't mean you do it. It just yeah. means you have those thoughts. And there's no judgment in that. And 
I honestly think for me, if I, if I look at the relationships that I would deem the best, it's when I was the best. It's okay. when I knew myself, when I trusted myself, because other than that, you're not giving your best self. So you're not going to have the best relationship. 100%. It's yeah. And definitely gets met, you know, um, by the partners in your life or the people in your life that meet you at where you're at in those moments, you know, can't help. You can't help it when someone else is giving it to you and they're given honesty, you know, like it, you can't help, but just meet it. You know, you said something to me that really helped me along my journey a long time ago. And I, I, yeah, think about it often, but you were talking about when you are having like an argument or something, you always ask like, what, what's beneath that? And yeah. Beneath that, and then what's beneath that, you know, and yep. I'm constantly, you know, like it burrowed in my head, Natasha. Now, <laughs> now I'm constantly asking myself those questions. It's know? a chapter in a book people might've read. Oh man. It might, <laughs> that book might be the same title as this podcast. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I think that's a really good tool though, because there's always so much other shit going on that you don't sometimes even are aware of and if you don't know it how the hell are you going to present what you actually want to another person in regards to all that like testing what are you know navigating relationships and and seeing what's below and and learning how to communicate which i did not realize how terrible of a communicator i was (laughs) um but and, and realize and that kind of wisdom that you gave me of of go below i think there's something interesting to that and it was a weird light bulb for me, moment for me, because you told me that and kind of didn't make, the thought in my head was like, but how? How do you? <laughs> this, this makes no sense. Why does she? Yeah, exactly. Because the concept, the concept of what's below that is if you have the fight about why are you always leaving dishes in the dishwasher? Why are you always leaving your socks on the floor? Why are you never taking out the trash? If you have those fights over and over, it feels like you have a bunch of different fights and therefore you think you're fighting all the time. But really, that's the exact same fight. So what's below that is what is the feeling you're feeling every time you have that fight? Is it, I don't think you're treating me fairly. I don't think you respect me. I feel like I'm putting more into this relationship than you are. I don't think you want to be in this. You're not showing me that you care about me the way I need to be shown. Like, what is it? And then once you figure out that, then you get to have that fight. And then (laughs) you get into what that fight brings up. And you, you might do this like seven or eight times and you just get a little deeper into the layer because like it may start with, I feel like you don't want to be in this relationship. And then it goes, you have that fight and they go, no, I do. And you go, okay, well then it feels like you don't care about me. And they're like, no, I do. And then it goes, well, then I feel like you don't respect me. And that maybe is where it, it, it'll keep it going until you hit it. Yeah. 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 I read about this thing, again, I don't have my sources or anything, but it's called like <laughs> spiral, the spiral theory of healing. And it's very similar to what you're talking about, where you're going around in this spiral and every time you're, you're going, you're having the same fight over and over again. And as you go out, you're learning, you have a little bit more information from the last time you went around the spiral. Mm-hmm. And you're getting further out and you have a little bit more information and kind of like that is the pattern of healing where you're kind of just you know not thinking of it as a way to like you're going to get through and be healed you're going through those same patterns until you get to that like you said that one that's going to hit you know and, and that, that I love sense. that the spiral yeah. is like once you're far enough out you get to see it for what it really is and you get to see right. everything that led to that moment I love right. that yeah yeah what about that taught you communication styles? And now that you know that you're not a great communicator, what have you done to improve it? Okay. 
you know, it, a big epiphany in there has been just my need to control and specifically like control the narrative. It's everything about all that fear and all of that control comes out when I'm communicating and this need to both anticipate what that person is going to say and then control that, how they're going to feel, you know, and it's, it is incredibly freeing to just be like, this is what I'm feeling instead of like what, <laughs> anticipating what everyone else is going to think or what, how it's going to be taken in any way, you know, it's, it, it's You're having both yeah. sides of the fight before you yes. even actually have the fight. You're answering the questions you want them to answer. And then when they answer them differently than how you want, you're like mad about it. Oh, hundred percent. I used to like think that I was, you know, in this healing journey as well. You're like, I'm a pre I was like, I'm a present person because I never really like lived in the past. Mm. And I like really thought about it. I was like, Kristen, you live in the future. Like you were <laughs> constantly having those, those conversations about, you know, running through what could happen and everything you do is for planning for the future. So you're not present. You're just not living in the past. You're living in the future. And that was a big, another big moment where I was like, this is interesting to yeah. get back to that, that moment and being yourself. Sometimes living in the future doesn't mean you're living like a year from now. It means you're living five minutes from now. Oh. You're picturing what the person's about to say when they haven't even opened their mouth yet. Like as you're speaking, you're planning their response to your, your discussion. Yep. That is not living in the moment. No, it is not. And it is realizing how detrimental, you know, and there was a part of me growing up uh, where I thought, you know, that that was some sort of, I was being helpful or some shit. Oh. I don't know. Where you, I, it's that people pleasing stuff. Where yep. you're like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm being helpful by treading lightly, you know, and like, but there is a moment where you're like, oh, that's not helping anything. That's, I'm well, just not, it's not helping adult version of you. It might've helped yeah. version of you for something, but it didn't, it's not helping adult version anymore. It's not helping the situation. Most of the time, you're just making things confusing, you know, because <laughs> they have their own way of reacting to things and it's probably not the one in your head, you know? Yeah. Okay. Kristen, can I ask you some questions? Yeah. Okay. What's one life lesson that you've had to learn over and over again? Ooh. Yeah, just how to accept the, the kind of people that I want in my life, you know, and, and, and kind of divorcing a lot of my relationships from my trauma and my shame, you know, <laughs> I think that's very true of most people. And, and recognizing that the relationships you choose, making sure that they're not based in that trauma and shame. Like, sure, oh, I'm definitely. I'm not choosing a person who's going to fix this part of me. Yep, yep. All of that is within yourself but it is a matter of, again, just to get in a little detail of it, just for a second, because <laughs> I need, but uh, yeah, just, I, just realizing that I enjoy, I've always put a little shame on this, uh, that I like to take care of people. Mm -hmm. uh, just kind of like coming to terms with the fact that, yeah, I mean, that's just who I am. We've come to this conclusion somehow by ourselves. Nobody's like, oh, you take care of people? That's horrible. So yeah, then it's gonna be, well, what, brought that up how yeah. did we get here yeah that's true all right what's one piece of advice you wish you had when you were 18 yeah just a lot of what we've talked about now just be be authentic you know you shielding people from yourself you not wanting to be seen is is 
it's not what you think it is. <laughs> no. Not helping the situations, not helping anyone, not helping anything. Um, but again, the acceptance that that was a protective measure is another part of the lesson. You know, it's, it's definitely what had to happen to get me here. And that's great. So yeah, you got to appreciate the stuff that got you here. If you like this version of yourself, I think anybody that's put in the work, yep. got to recognize all the work you did. Yep. Otherwise, yeah. like, what did you do it for? Okay. What's one thing about this moment in your life, the time right now that you want to take with you for the rest of your life? So much. Uh, the present moment isn't even the only thing that counts. Everything else mm. literally doesn't exist. I love uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, just, you know, um, I've found that I've gotten much more in touch with my intuition and just like listening to that, to that part of me that, that, knows better than my my intellectual self you know mm. and really listening to my body um and and being in touch in touch with how it's feeling and, and that it has most of the answers <laughs> when you spend so much <laughs> of your life looking for answers outside of yourself when you figure out you've had them all along oh it's, yep. it's so annoying it's just like yep. <laughs> how much time did i waste <sighs> Even that weird second rung of, of, of tests where it's like, my brain doesn't have all the answers, you know, of like, sometimes my brain's playing tricks on me as well. But like, getting in tune with whether or not things make you nervous and constrict or whether things make you feel open and, and big is, you know, and light. It's, 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 I hope I take that. Yeah. Into yeah. The future. It sticks with me. <laughs> okay. What is one moment of your life you wish you could do over? Nothing. Good. I've always said that and I stick to it. I, I have made a lot of mistakes in my life, but I, everything has, has been, you know, exactly what I needed and could handle at that moment. You know, I think it's, yeah. No, no regrets. It's, it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> what a perfect place to end it. I've got yeah. other questions, but they're not as good as that. So. <laughs> Kristen, will you tell people where to find your work? Cause you do really cool work. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I guess just littlefarm.com is my real, um, and it's my business and, uh, I'm, I think, yeah, I own it with two wonderful people and I'm trying to kind of branch out. I'm actually started writing and stuff like that. So that's so exciting. Sweet. Awesome. This was a bit of a different conversation than the ones I've had before, uh, partially because Kristen and I have known each other for so long, partially because we're friends and we've worked together. But this was one where the conversation could have gone a bunch of different ways. And in reality, it actually went all of those ways. So I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, because not only did we talk about business and relationships and all that fun stuff, but I mean, there was a healing spiral in there. So I hope you took a lot out of this. If you want to follow up on Kristen and all of her editing work, I put the link in the show notes and I cannot wait for more episodes of season two. Keep coming back. It just gets better. That's all for today's episode. 
check back in next week to talk a little more shit with me. In the meantime, be sure to grab your copy of Shit Adults Never Taught Us on Amazon and Barnes & Noble to learn all the shit adults never taught us. And in case no one told you this week, you're killing it. So keep going, you genuine badass. <laughs>